seven weeks since the resurrection. And as I said earlier, we have been trying our best to align ourselves with the spirit-empowered stream of the Christian tradition, believing that the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead can bring new life, can call us out of ourselves to bring compassion and healing and wholeness to the whole world. And we cling to the message the same way that the apostles did when Jesus predicted his ascension. He said he rose from the dead and then he was with them for a very short time. And he said that he would leave the spirit. The spirit of God would be with them always, even though I will not be with you. He said in John 14, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. You know him because he abides with you and he will be with you. And the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So this is the hope the disciples were clinging to. And it is our hope as well. Because if Jesus was serious when he said that we will do even greater things than he did, if he was serious that we will be building with him his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, then we have got to believe it's not just up to us. That the power of the Holy Spirit is what sends us forth to continue the work that Jesus began. But how do we know when we are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit? How do we know how that's different from us just being really good at something or trying really hard? Well, the Spirit's work is often unpredictable. It's often surprising, but not in that scary kind of surprising, oh, this isn't what I expected, but in a life-giving, wow, the Spirit is here among us. I didn't expect this. One of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. So when we seek to join Jesus in his work, the invitation of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like a guilt trip. It isn't rushed and feeling like, we've got to do this now or else everything will fall apart. That's not the voice of the Spirit. Now that's not to say that when the winds of the Holy Spirit pick up, that they don't often move quickly. Sometimes we have to buckle in because the Spirit moves us along faster than we expected. Sometimes they click together very quickly, but there's still no anxiety involved. There's no shoulds involved. There's no fear or trepidation involved. The work of the Holy Spirit brings the sense of a light and easy burden that Jesus talks about in Matthew 11. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the kind of work that happens when the Holy Spirit empowers us. So the work of the Spirit also brings unity between God's people because when a whole bunch of people from a whole bunch of different backgrounds, a whole bunch of families with a lot of strong opinions come together in the same room and God brings them together and says, yes, this is what God has for us next. That is surely the work of the Holy Spirit. I know this is true for Kevin and I because we can count probably on one hand the number of decisions we have made where we just both look at each other and say, yes, 
This is absolutely the next right thing. And one of them was coming back here. And one of them was like, yes, we are absolutely supposed to go to Monroe. One of them was the house that we bought. We don't make quick decisions. Mostly I don't make quick decisions. And so when we looked at each other and said, yes, this is absolutely the next right thing. And God opens the steps up and it feels like life breathing into you every step of the way. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Because Kevin and I are very different, if you haven't known that. And we have very different opinions. And we both have very strong opinions. We're very intense. So that is the spirit when we just say yes and we move forward. We can't force the Holy Spirit to come. But we can do what, the, what Jesus' disciples did in those days leading up to Pentecost. They kept meeting together. They kept praying together. They kept breaking bread together. Helping each other believe that those years that they had with their friend Jesus weren't for nothing. They were doing life together. They were loving and enjoying one another's company, all the while reminding each other what Jesus had taught them. This is what a Christian community does. It helps the others in the community have hope, to cling to hope because all of us get dragged down now and then, to cling to the hope of the resurrection, to cling to the hope that the Holy Spirit will come to cling to the hope that the kingdom of God will be built and is being built right now. Especially to cling to hope when it feels like all hope is lost and every day since Jesus' ascension, their hope dwindled. Where's the spirit? He said he was sending the advocate. How long will it take? And then, during one morning gathering, of about 120 or so men and women who were comprising the Christian community in Jerusalem, the wind picked up. As their hair began to blow, the wind quickly became something a little bit more intense. Maybe we should pay attention to this. The gusts pressed hard and took their breath away. It shook the house, it rattled the doors, and it disrupted their insides a bit. Our weather app did not tell us there would be a windstorm today. Is this actually happening? So suddenly, it was so sudden and so commotion building that a crowd was drawn, that all sorts of Jews from around the world, from all different countries who had been living, they were expats, they were living in a land that was not their own. They thought, what is going on? Let's go check this out. And they stood in the streets, and much to the surprise of everyone, they began to hear the good news of Jesus proclaimed in their native tongue, in the language they learned at their mother's feet. What in the heck? <laughs> Here were hundreds of people. They were living under Roman rule. They were all being forced to speak Greek under law. This is how the spirit works. The spirit of God is uh, building a kingdom other than the established kingdom, the establishment of Rome, the establishment of 
our church, of, of the United States, of, any, of our family unit. The Holy Spirit comes and kind of shakes things up. Yeah, the way you're doing might seem to be working, but it's not the way I have intended for you. What a surprise. <laughs> what a delight. I mean, can you imagine having not heard someone speak your language in days, months, or years, years and suddenly you're hearing the news of Jesus in a language that you dream in. So this week, as I read eight separate commentaries on the story of, of Babel and the story of Pentecost, I was surprised and a little frustrated to discover how diverse every perspective was. It was like every commentary was the exact opposite of the one before it. I went into my study time hope, hoping to uncover the true meaning of Babel, the true meaning of Pentecost, and how they were linked together. Surely it's undeniable. But what I found were eight opposing teachings. So what am I supposed to do with this? What does the Spirit have for our church? But here's the one thing that is true of all of Scripture, even the stories that are weird and uncomfortable, even the stories that seem to diametrically oppose the narrative of Jesus, God desires to be with us. All the way back at the beginning, the Spirit of God was hovering over the expanse of nothingness. And along with the Father and the Son, they say, let us make humankind in our image. And so the Spirit, the breath of God, breathes life into lungs and imprints the first man and the first woman with the image of God. God walks with them in the garden. God delights in their delight of creation. God with us from the very beginning. And just a few chapters later, Genesis 11, we read the story centered around this epic tower of Babel. The Lord comes down to be with his people. So this story could be understood as a punishment for the way that they had set up this building out of pride and he broke it. He broke what they had built. But what if this story tells of God's love for all the ends of the earth? For God's love of diversity? Because when the Pentecost spirit comes, he doesn't have them all speak in one language. They already were speaking Greek. The Spirit has them speak hundreds of different languages. So there's something to that. God loves diversity, but God loves to be with us. And at least twice in that passage in Genesis 11, it said, the Lord came down to see what his people were up to. So Babel marks spreading of God's people across all of God's creation. Yet another invitation to be with God, showing hospitality to the ends of the earth. God with us. And surely that phrase, God with us, sparks in you a memory of another story. The birth of Jesus. And in the incarnation, God made flesh. An angel goes to Mary and, the Holy, and tells her the Holy Spirit 
would be with her and conceive in her a son, and this baby would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so this infant Emmanuel had taken on flesh and lived among the people. People were his friends. Jesus showed the welcome of God for those whom society easily ignored. Now, society is anyone, is the majority. It's, it's the people who have power. It's the rich. Jesus spent his time with children. Jesus spent his time eating dinner with corrupt politicians. Jesus touched those whom the society, the rich and the clean and the well-groomed, would have nothing to do with. They were stinky. Jesus didn't care. Jesus was with them. Jesus was born in a stable. I'm pretty sure that was stinky. <laughs> he blessed those who cursed him. He appeared first to women and empowered them to be his apostles. He did everything the wrong way. <laughs> Jesus embodied God's desire to be with us. But then, it seemed as if God left us. There was the promise of the Holy Spirit. But these apostles, his best friends, had just gone through the most tumultuous weekend of their lives. Their Christ the man they had hoped was their Messiah was put to death on a cross. And then, to much to their surprise and, and disbelief, they were confused to find that he was in fact not dead. He had risen again. Talk about a roller coaster weekend. And I'm imagining the grief that they experienced that weekend, the confusion that they had lingered as Jesus, as they watched him ascend into the heavens. And then in the days after, wondering, well, what are we supposed to do now? But we had hoped that he would help us build a kingdom. Where's, where's the, are we supposed to build bricks? What's happening now? They had hoped God would be with them. But then the winds blew. And the promised Holy Spirit took the form of rushing wind and of fire and of every foreigner's language where everyone felt welcome. That's what happened at Pentecost. All were welcome. The spirit of truth granted understanding and guided hundreds to know the truth of the gospel that Jesus sets us free the truth of God's love and his desire to be with us. This spirit is our source of peace. This spirit also is our source of discomfort, disrupting us when we get a bit too comfortable, when we become part of the powerful, when we become those who ignore the marginalized. He disrupts us. It's like Bob Goff says in his book, Everybody Always, for those of you who are reading with us, Jesus loves the creepy people. <laughs> Jesus loves not with an agenda, and neither should we. 
Loving people with an agenda isn't love, and people can smell that a million miles away. So the Spirit disrupts us when we become too comfortable in order to build the kingdom of God by befriending maybe the weird people, maybe the creepy people, maybe your actual neighbors who you don't really know that well, maybe by praying for them, maybe in giving undivided attention to the children, even your own children who drive you crazy sometimes. They have good things to say. Maybe by turning over power and letting someone be in charge of something, even when they don't yet have the skills, even when you could do it better yourself. That's the way of the Spirit. So the Spirit brought with it a surprising unity among God's people and empowered them to preach the good news and to show foreigners and, the, and the love to the foreigners and the Spirit of God sent them out to build God's kingdom in every city and every neighborhood among the rich if they were willing to give up all they had and among the poor to show true love as Jesus loved. This is the story of Pentecost. God with us. I want to pray now this prayer. It's a poetic prayer from Ted Loder called Touch Me with Truth That Burns Like Fire. Let us pray. Lord, send the gift of your spirit to fill this place and myself and the world. Touch me with truth that burns like fire, with beauty that moves me like the wind. And set me free, Lord, free to new ways of living, free to forgive myself and others, free to laugh and love and sing, free to lay aside my burden of security, free to see and listen and wonder again at the gracious mystery of things and of persons, free to be, to give, to receive, to rejoice as a child of your spirit. And Lord, teach me how to dance, to turn around and come down where I want to be, in the arms and the heart of your people and in you, that I may praise you and enjoy you forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>